Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of WrestlePatter with myself, Chris, and my tag team partner, Jamie. <laughs> Jamie Moon, in the building. So, what did we do this week then, Jamie? What did we just What did we just get done? What did we just get done watching? Um, so we just wasted two hours and forty minutes of our lives watching the infamous Heroes of Wrestling pay per view. Heroes of Wrestling. And so what we thought was, how can we t- get that time back? Well, you know what, Chris? <laughs> time is money. And we thought, we'll make some money out of this. <laughs> we'll try. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I remember, I remember when we were coming up with episode ideas for this. And you said, here's the wrestling. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And I genuinely, I thought it, I thought it actually was... So from the Jake the Snake, the resurrection thing, there's a, there's a part in that, no, or, it, or it might be beyond the mat, I can't remember, right, it's, mm-hmm. it's one of the two, and there's a there's a part where he's walking through this fucking school gym, and he look he does, he, look, he looks done in, and I thought it was that. Oh no, so that was, I think that was an indie event, and probably the late 2000s, right. uh, no, so that would have been the resurrection of the drake the snake documentary okay is that the one where the wee guy he comes out and he like says you're a piece of jake <laughs> no piece of shit jake and he's like i think so just I, I think so but i honestly i thought it was that that's what we just watched was definitely looked way better than that but then once it got going it was a bit like so there's been when i was doing research and mm-hmm. looking up episode ideas many of the lasts of the worst wrestling pay-per-views was this was the worst one this really? was the worst yeah <laughs> and at first like you know internet there's a lot of hyperbole on the internet yeah and i thought well maybe it won't be as bad but now that we've just finished watching it i mean my brain's broken man like i don't know how to start this at all <laughs> nah i tuned i tuned out like <laughs> a good couple of times man was just sitting on my phone just couldn't really <laughs> I, was, I was I was trying to I was trying to keep up with it but it is it was it was a hard watch but should we try and break it down to some sort of degree yeah sure so for anyone who hasn't heard of the Heroes of Wrestling pay-per-view it was a one night event that took place on October the 10th 1999 during the height of the Attitude Era at the Casino Magic Hotel. Now, the idea for this was... Which, uh, by the way, just, sorry, just interrupting. No. Did you see the logo for the Casino Magic Hotel? It was plastered everywhere. Did you see that logo? Oh, it was in the background of all the promos. <laughs> it was so bad. It was like a paint, like a comic, <laughs> like a Comic Sans MS font or something. And like... A wee shooting star or something <laughs> underneath it. Like. Yeah. It, 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 was, it wasn't It was pretty, but sorry. No, no, it's fine. Like, um... I so the the principal idea of this event was to bring the biggest legends of wrestling during probably the eighties, the golden era of wrestling, yep. and bring them them into dream matches. And unfortunately, most of these wrestlers are, for lack of a better term, they're <laughs> past their sell by dates, and <laughs> one in particular is pretty drunk. So I that was. The a one. sad sight to, to to a degree. The one and only. Yeah, <laughs> Jake but, the Snake. <laughs> it def it definitely did seem that most of them couldn't really go anymore, didn't it? I mean, some 
at the at the end up there, Jim the Anvil. I think he could have went. He still looked pretty good. I thought he could he could have he could have got some good a good bit of time in there if he had a better opponent. But I think the fact that he had Jake the Snake, it seemed a wee bit. Yeah, kind of it kind of cut him off in his tracks, and so also Jim Nightheart, he's kind of known more as a tag team wrestler. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I can't think of any examples of where he was the designated ringleader of a one-on-one match. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I never actually thought about that. Which I think is why the singles match ended up becoming a tag team match <laughs> halfway yeah. through. Yep. yep. Was Which we'll get, we will get to that. That was... Yeah, we're kind of jumping conf- the gun. That was, that was the most confusing part of the, <laughs> the whole episode, in my opinion. Uh, well, should we start from the beginning then? Let's let's start let's start from the top. You want to take us through the? Well, wait a minute. Who actually who actually promoted this? Because that might give us a wee bit more insight. If anyone even would know who it is, but it so, definitely was a shit show from the from the from the off, as we'll tell you. But so. From the Wikipedia article there, and yeah. I know Wikipedia is the most trustworthy source of all time, but it's the one we'll take <laughs> right now. Playing off the resurgence and popularity of pro wrestling at the time, Fawstone Productions president Bill Stone conceived a series of events consisting of wrestling stars from the 80s and early 90s fighting one another in a series of dream matches. He expressed his surprise that the WWF had not already put on such an event. You'll soon find out why. <laughs> Stone intended to run three more pay-per-views, run on a quarterly basis, if an initial target of 40,000 buys was reached. Recruitment of the wrestlers began in May 1999. Sid Vicious was one of the first to be approached, and he recruited Michael Lombardi, promoter of Northeast Wrestling in New York, to act as booker. However, Sid was signed exclusively to WCW in June of that year, and so did not appear. Vader, Terry Funk, Bam Bam Bigel, and the Honky Tonk Man were all approached, but declined. Additionally, Nike Bo- Nick Bockwinkle was advertised. Oh, wait, I've heard his name somewhere. He's in the Hall of Fame or something, isn't he? I'm sure he is, yeah. I think he's one of those like legends, kind of legends. Yeah, the, yeah. Like the Frank Gotch and all that kind of stuff. Aye, aye. Uh, Nick Bockwinkle was advertised, but did not appear. <laughs> And due to WWF owned trademarks, Yokozuna and the Bushwhackers were referred to with the affix former in all advertising. Now, this is actually an interesting part because yeah. one of the matches actually involved someone's debut, a wrestler known as Julio Fantastico. Oh, yeah, this guy does. <laughs> <laughs> See, to be fair, uh, well, we'll get to that point. Um, mm-hmm. We might have different opinions on this. Yeah, we might. We've <laughs> yeah. not. So we've we we just we just watched the show together, and we kind of didn't really speak to each other about the show. I mean, we 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 were laughing at bits that we thought were were funny, but mainly we've just took notes, and then now we're going to kind of compare notes and 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 see. <laughs> I think we'll have similar opinions, but oh yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see if we differ on anything. We're just trying to pinpoint a method to the madness. I think. Um, yeah, like. But to get back to the previous point, uh, so Two Cold Scorpio was actually supposed to have a match with Reckless Youth in order to break up the solo matches with fast-paced action. Mm-hmm. However, Youth was signed to WWF at the time, okay. and so he couldn't appear, which is why Julio Fantastico was asked to appear. 
Right, I see. I wondered. I'd, I'd, never, I'd never heard of this Julio Fantastical guy, but we have now. Yeah, for better or worse. Yes. <laughs> so we'll kick it off from the start of the show. And my first, my first note I wrote was intro makes it seem pretty decent budget for 1999. And then because it was what it was like aerial shots of like St. Louis, Missouri. It was like this good voice like coming to St. Louis, it's the heroes of wrestling. And I was like, fuck this. I was like, this actually looks okay. Like, how is this the worst, one of the worst rated ones? And then there was Pyro, yeah. which I thought, I was not expecting any Pyro. <laughs> you just thought it was just going to be like a black I curtain. I thought it was just, I thought it was going to be a black curtain. In <laughs> some sort of fucking sports hall in Bells Hill. I think it was all generally high production, but what made me off at the start was, Obviously, this is an independent promotion, and these are all former WWF stars, yeah. so they don't have access to the WWF library, mm-hmm. and so the shots of them in ring is like them in a gym somewhere <laughs> fighting uh, yeah. each other. But apart from that, like it's understandable with copyright issues and everything that they would go with that, but it just kind of, it was a bit strange to put that in amongst all these like high production shots of like the country around them yeah so from there we went on and we met the the commentary team of <laughs> what randy rosenblom and dutch mantel good old dirty dutch what was your <laughs> what was your thoughts on, on them too <laughs> dutch mantel throughout the whole um events it seemed like he was trying to like give a sense of, oh, this is all part of the show, like, this is all meant to happen. Randy was just <laughs> in his own wee world, I think. <laughs> but he done better than one particular guest commentator that appeared later in the show. Yeah, well, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, what did you have for your, what did you have in your next your next note? Uh, the start of match one. Uh, let's see... Did we you? have the Simone SWAT team versus Marty Gennetti and Rip Rogers. Now, this was straight off from the get-go. We were both confused and looking at each other because when, after after Randy and Dutch had done the re-intro into the event, then uh, they, they said, we're going to go off to the first match. And it's the Simone SWAT team versus Marty Gennetti, blah, blah, blah. But it just came up, this title card with Marty Gennetti on it. And the Simone SWAT team's music was playing. And it was just all very, like, what the hell is going on here? Like, what's happening? (laughs) Simone SWAT team appeared on the entrance ramp with the whitest guy in the world to manage (laughs) them. Yeah, that guy. Just guys, some guy skipping down to the (laughs) ring, yelling at people. And they're trying to be, like, serious and mean. He was wearing braces and stuff as well. (laughs) uh, none None of it made much sense. And then the white guy got on the microphone and then he's shouting all sorts and it just it was yeah he was just cutting this really long kind of pointless promo that i just couldn't it was I honestly just could, I, I, I couldn't understand what the promo was was entailed or designed to do i think the main point of the promo was to hype up the match because he's trying to get the crowd riled up you know yeah. he's saying like you all suck and you suck even more because you're cheating for Janetti and rogers yeah the Simone SWAT team are going to finish them, but it was all packaged in this weird jumbled mess of a promo where it was hard to he, kinda he's saying a lot, but he's not really saying anything at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was weird. That's a good point. And then of course Janetti and Rogers are introduced, but 
only the Genetti graphic is shown yep. again. I think by this point as well, Marty Genetti's probably murdered a couple of people. Oh, definitely. In his like... life, he's... he's, he's <laughs> <laughs> some of the things he's admitted to, he has done by this point, or if not, in the process of doing. Well, that's the thing. If he's admitted to the kind of crimes... What else has he not admitted to? Like, what is he keeping secret? Oh, right, that's, that's that, terrifying. That's to be left to the imagination. If Walls could talk, they would speak words about that guy. <laughs> but it was kind of weird because, like, Rogers is standing there and he looks like a professional athlete. He's got the trunks on, yep. the full wrestling gear, and Marty Gennetti, he has this weird mix of... He's got wrestling boots and jorts yep. on. And it's like... I kind of liked his look. I kind of, I kind of like compared to what I seen. What I seen him, I seen him come back to WWE. It must have been years after that, in like the mid two thousands. Mm-hmm. I remember he came back. I remember he came back and had a run for a bit. He was, he was looking older, but he, he, he could, he could, he could, he could kind of go. Yeah, I thought he looked better wearing wearing them shorts than he did wearing the blue shit he wore when he first came back and was trying to do a program with Shawn Michaels. I've not really seen the stuff for when he came back, so right, okay. I can only come off of this. Um, this is kind of, I feel like this is kind of part of my own kind of wrestling training, kind of yep. seeping in here because, um, so the trainer, he says he would not allow anyone to wrestle if they're just wearing like joggers or really? shorts or something. Okay. Because in his uh, mind, it's, it's it just kind of looks amateur. Yeah, He wants true. to be seen as a professional athlete. So when I get told that and then I see Janetti with <laughs> <laughs> this shorts, wrestling book combo I'm kind of my mind's fucking just, going haywire it doesn't marry up how you want it to kind of marry up yeah he kind of looks like Billy Kidman to be honest mm-hmm. without the vest but um, maybe he's Billy Kidman's dad and Billy Kidman's just some sort of love child <laughs> maybe that's one of the secrets he's not a honestly you never know <laughs> you, you, you don't know what's coming next so whilst, whilst all this was going on the only the thought I was having was Jesus the commentary is woeful and I just couldn't get it out of my head. It was to me, it just wasn't to my taste. I wasn't enjoying it. I had never heard of this Randy Rosenblum guy. I'd heard of Dutch Mantel, but yeah, the, the pair of them combined, I, I can't even recite what they were saying. But it just it was not good. It was not adding to to my experience of that match. There but, was a lot of weird. So you can kind of tell this match was rehearsed. Well, yeah, because there would be times where. So, for example, I've got in my notes here, um, Gennetti, good fire. He starts like doing the work on he the someone. He, he did do well. Like, he, he, I didn't. I don't think he looked like past it. No, absolutely not. He looked like he could still go in the ring. Mm-hmm. I think it seemed to be more of a miscommunication because there would be times, like for example, where he's hitting the Simone guy. This I don't know what the Simone guy's names actually are, so yeah. I'll just say Simone 1 and 2. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're going to get cancelled first podcast. <laughs> uh, Simone 1, he's taking the punches, and he drops down and he rolls at the ring, and Janetta kind of, he looks like he's going to start running for him, but then he stops, like someone's hit the pause button. Okay, i never and, seen that. And then, like, obviously another spot happens, but there was other times where I believe... Janetti tags in Rogers. Yep. Rogers goes in. He's about to run and hit the Simone One's tag team partner, who's now who's on the apron. Yeah. And he stops and waits for Simone One to tag Simone Two in, and it's like, it seems like oh. they planned these spots, but they were 
working at completely different paces from each other. I think Ginetti and Rogers did do well. Um, I think the problem is they were working at a really fast pace and the Samoans were working at a really slow pace. And it was just kind of getting muddled up in between it all. Yeah, it just kind of... It was a bit messy, but see, compared to the rest of the show, it mm-hmm. was actually a decent opener. Yeah. They tightened up a few things and I think it would have been decent. There was one point where... Um, Janetti got whipped into the corner and he took a terrific corner bump. I don't know if you picked up on that. Did oh, you see yeah. that? Where he like bounced. I'd never actually seen that. Corner that was the first time I've Yeah, that was the first time I'd seen a corner bump done to that level. And obviously you've seen all the all the good ones. You've seen like the one Ric Flair takes, or you've seen like all the or it may be it might be Shawn Michaels, one of them takes this one where they roll up the a few people take take yeah. a bump like that, they roll up and you think that that's the best one you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But then seeing that I was actually quite pleasantly surprised that just how he'd done it it was so creative but it was nice he kind of just he banged into it on his back but then he just kind of let himself bounce off and landed on his bum in the middle of the ring and it just to me it looked great i just hadn't seen it it was just like the sheer impact of it makes it that much better like it makes you tune in more to the baby face and peril and it's like oh how's he going to fight back from this yeah if you really liked that one watch a couple of bret hart matches because he takes it right to the chest and he just Oh yeah, it, I like, think I've I think I've seen that a couple of times. Oh, it looks great. The Brett's bump. <clears throat> um, so from here, who who went who went over? I, I didn't I didn't note down anyone else. Did you? Let's see. So I actually don't remember. No. Okay, it doesn't matter. It's immaterial. It's just we were just taking. The, we we went. We didn't go out to kind of document the whole. It's not really a play-by-play yeah. that I think we're doing. I did try doing a play-by-play by, with my notes, but the issue with this event is, see when you're trying to take notes on a particular spot, as you're writing the notes down, another spot is already happening. Yeah, and you're getting you're missing things. Yeah. It was a... It's a bit of a cluster. Um, the thing is, like, I feel like we would have remembered the finish if it was memorable. Like some of the other finishes on that's this card. True, yeah, that's true. So um, I do believe it was Janetti and Rogers that went over. Could have been. Yeah. But again, I'm 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 <laughs> fucking blind. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> next up was um, who fucking Greg Valentine and George Animal Steel. Now all I've got in my notes here is that Greg Valentine is coming out looking like some sort of fucked up Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. You know, Philip Oh Seymour my god, he's one of the best actors of all time, man. He like, like died in yeah. like 2014 or something. Yeah. Do you not think he looked like how his hair was all long and shit and he was kind of coming out? I was like, fuck, that's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Now that you mentioned it, looked it. Like, it looked like <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman risen from the dead and was walking to the ring. <laughs> Just, he rose up. AI. But uh, I don't know, like, I thought, is he trying to be like Ric Flair? With the yeah. gown and everything that was weird. This encounter, the whole encounter was pretty weird, wasn't it? Even the whole story behind it. So, mm-hmm. before the match even starts, we're treated to a video package of George the Animal Steel and um, Sherry Martell. They're yeah. in a casino. George is dressed up like he's someone's dad at, at a pub. Mm-hmm. And Sherry Martell, <laughs> she's like trying to, you know, take him on a walk with her, I think. And then he just like grabs at her gown rips it open and like you can just oh, yeah, see fuck. her skin and you can see, you see like a brand all that and she's really yeah and then they just both run off camera and then 
I don't know if that was meant to make the audience appeal to George, and I get the whole gimmick is that he's the animal, he doesn't understand, you know, human yep. behaviour, but I, don't, I didn't get it at all. Like, no. This would make more sense if this was maybe a television show, like a weekly kind of show, and this was a storyline that was going on by weekly where we could yeah, actually but see. Yeah, they, they tried to do this in the one night. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So they're doing all this in the one night, and we have no clue why Sharon Martell is. Going <laughs> I don't know George why Adam she was there. Or what was going on? Well, according to commentary, George is her protege, which I don't know what that's meant to be. I guess it's the idea that she's. I think it's meant to be like my fair lady, except with George the animal steel, <laughs> like the rags to riches kind of thing, like how to look fabulous or something yeah. like, I don't get it it was strange the start as well there was some old school 80s it felt like an old school 80s kind of start there was a lot of oh yeah. do you hear that oh that's the foxes the foxes <laughs> yeah they suck over <laughs> here but it, it felt like an old school 80s match to begin with which obviously it is going to be because that's the era that these guys are from and that's how they're known that's how they're blessed with starting out kind of match that's how they kind of they kind of always are going to do it but to me it just felt dated it didn't feel like uh, it just didn't feel like what it should have been it was it was pretty horrible the thing is that we have to remember as well this match is taking place in 1999 yep so stone cold the rock the attitude era is in full swing at this point Mm -hmm. it's a lot the presentation that is captured in the audience is a lot different from what this match is doing which yeah. is like you said the classic kind of 80s match Aye. and it was just more confusing with the story as well because so the story of the match is that Greg Valentine he's he's saying I'm going to beat George the Animal Steel and I'm going to steal your girl Sherry but then as the match continues on and on, it's revealed that Sherry Martell is actually on Greg Valentine's side. Yeah, so she switches over. Like, there's a point in the match where Sherry starts, I think, oh yeah, what's it? So they tell George to take his top off, which was weird. The, oh, the yeah. ref just starts going, take your top off, George, take your top <laughs> off. So he starts taking off his top, and then he gets hit by Greg, and then he's down, and then he's lying on the kind of side of the apron part, and then Sherry comes over and starts kind of raking his eyes and choking him out, and it's like, what? Aye, where <laughs> did that come on? from? Aye. <laughs> I think this is the part where the crowd started to get confused. Like You can kind of see there was a sense of befuddlement in the air. Yeah, I think so. And to be honest, we were befuddled as well. Uh, let's see. I'm looking through my... <laughs> I'm I'm actually reading from my notes here to see what the reasoning was. There's no really any real reason why she done it. Uh, commentary says it was a conspiracy the entire time, but like I said, we've only this is a one night show, and all we've seen is George pulling at Sherry's dress. Maybe that's why she turned on him. Could be. Maybe she's maybe just she's... annoyed that he ruined her fancy dress. Maybe she was not into being exposed on pay-per-view <laughs> to 29,000 viewers <laughs> around the globe. There was a, there was also a foreign object that was involved in the match. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. What I, was that? Like a pick? Like a some sort of jail shank thing? I don't know. It was wrapped in bandages. Sherry just pulled it out of thin air. 
And even as she hands it to Greg Valentine, the commentator goes, oh, a foreign object is in play. And it's like, yeah, but what's the foreign object? Like, is that a knife or something? Yeah. But it doesn't matter because George gets hit and suddenly the crowd are behind George. Come on, George. Come on, George. Uh, Looking at my notes again, a few (laughs) choice quotes from commentary. Uh, Sherry's face is a face an animal could love (laughs) (laughs) and I think it was Randy was trying to explain Sherry's actions to Dutch Mantel and it was women you know what they're like well you don't know but we know what they're like (laughs) yeah when he was (laughs) trying to imply the other it was fucking it was really of its time yeah and then towards the end George kind of George knocks Greg Valentine to the ground. Valentine rolls out the ring. George collapses to the bottom rope. He's just lying there. And Sherry goes up and she, like, sues him. She's rubbing his fabulous bald heads in front of everyone. And we're all like, but you just turned on him. And I, to be honest, this is one of the funniest endings to a wrestle match I think I've seen. Like, oh, yeah. She sues his head. She goes off camera. And it's just George in frame. And out of nowhere, a chair <laughs> enters the frame and just smacks him right in the knock. And it, was, and it wasn't even like a, it wasn't even like your typical fucking chair shot, was it? It was like a she'd like grab the the, the back bit of the chair, holding it all fold up, and it was just like a wee dunk. Yeah, wee, exactly. Wee, wee, <laughs> dunk. It wasn't even <laughs> like it wasn't anything to run home about, or and then from there, what? I mean, what happened? They they both ran up the ramp. They came back. They ran away. Greg came back. Something happened. I can't. I'm drawing so, blanks because I'd literally stopped taking notes after. Yeah. Sherry Martel turned on Josh. <laughs> so Greg the Valentine takes advantage of this glorious opportunity. The fact that George the Animal Steel has been hit in the back of the head with a chair in front of the referee, and no one has been disqualified yet. <laughs> so Greg Valentine does a smart thing here, and he pins George for the one, two, three. George goes apeshit, he goes on a rampage, he attacks <laughs> Greg Valentine, and then he whips <laughs> Sherry out of the ring. God. Well, he throws Sherry out of the ring, and she goes over the top rope, and George unleashes the animal that was held in by the whole match. He goes to the turnbuckle, and he does his famous turnbuckle eating. Oh yeah, he eats a turnbuckle. Styrofoam yeah. beads come out of it. And- it was just... I'm surprised he's not choked on that at all, John. I wish career. he would have. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he would have. By this point, I was just bored, tired. I don't want to be mean. I mean, the guy's just trying to make a living, of course, but... Uh, if it makes you feel any better, he was actually in an Oscar-nominated movie. Was he? This time. Yeah. Was he? Yeah. What fucking what movie? It's a Tim Burton movie, of all things. George... The Animal Steel. George the Animal Steel was in a Tim Burton film. Have you ever heard of the director, Ed Wood? No. Ed Wood was a famous cross-dresser. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and he has made what is... What a lot of people recognise as some of the worst movies of all time. He was mm. making The Room before The Room. Have you ever heard of Plan 9 from Outer Space? No. No, no, no. It's... Uh, it's all his movies are basically terrible, terribly okay. edited, awfully acted. The Deliberately makes... or just turned out that way? Like, they just turned out that way. Oh my it God. just seems like 
from my understanding of everything I've heard about Edwards and this movie about him, like he's he was a very genuine filmmaker. He mm-hmm. just wasn't a good filmmaker. Right, okay, I see. <laughs> and so he was all heart, but <laughs> yeah. And Edward is a biopic. It uh, stars Johnny Depp in one of his one of his actual good acting roles, and George Animal Steel <laughs> appears as like one of the freaks that's in his group, kind of thing. Okay, I see. Really good movie. Cool. So after that, we had your man Julio Fantastico. Fantastico. Julio. Yeah. <laughs> um, in my opinion, had a pretty awful pre-match promo, from what I recall, from the note I took there. I said pretty awful pre-match promo. I didn't really go into any more details, but I remember him just kind of hammering down how angry he was and how much he was going to beat this guy. And then it was, I'm so angry, I'm going to beat this guy. And I was just like, mm-hmm. what? Like, where is the direction in this? I think the issue is with Julio was, I mean, this is the legends, the heroes of wrestling. All the great legends of wrestling are supposed to be at this pay-per-view. Yeah. And Julio is making his debut <laughs> against <laughs> one of these legends. Against two cold fucking Scorpio, uh, who who is a great worker. Yeah, definitely. I think, see the thing is, Julio, there are moments in the match where he's got the basics down. Yeah. But there's other points where you can see it's what uh, pro wrestling, profession, well, professional wrestlers call being green. Mm-hmm. So the idea of being green, it's not so much that you don't have the athletic ability to do it. It's the ability to perform at a high standard in front of an audience. Yeah. This Heroes of Wrestling pay-per-view was not a good event for Julio to um, to debut. Yeah. I think if he was to do more house shows, maybe if he'd done the pre-match before the event started, yeah, he might have fared better. I think it had to do with nerves, to be honest. Because barring a couple of spots where things went wrong, I remember he goes off the ropes and then he puts his head down as if he was anticipating, like, you know, running underneath two cold Scorpio. And then, obviously, they bang into each other. There was was a lot... There was a good amount of miscommunication there, wasn't there? It felt like they weren't on the same page at points. It felt like maybe... Exactly. They were missing what was being said or not, kind of... I think the main issue was to Cold Scorpio as a legend who is trying to wrangle in this newcomer. Yeah. Who's still learning the ropes. And see, to be honest, the best way to grow as a wrestler is to perform in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. You get to know what works with them and what doesn't. And it helps you get over the nerves. I just, I will say, like, Julio. I think he'd done okay, but apart from these miscommunications and nearly wiping out, <laughs> wiping out the kid, a fucking toddler. Yeah, <laughs> he, um, got, he got he got what, what happened? He got like a big back body drop over the over the guardrail. Yeah, and his leg just basically came down on this kid, like eight year old kid uh, just get hit by his leg and totally decked it. <laughs> and then the camera changed. And I was like, oh fuck! I wish we could see the aftermath of this. You've never seen like true fear until you've seen this when scream. <laughs> <laughs> this leg comes flying down to what? I was literally taken out. Um, so, another I, another thing I noticed: Too Cold came out with a big goldie belt, the big world heavyweight championship. What was that all about? I didn't. I couldn't make any sense in that. Was he ever a champ? I don't think so. Um, give that a, give that a, 
Yeah. Let's give it a search because I had no I, I had no idea why he came out with that belt. And at, at this point in time, WCW must have been using that big gold belt, the big World Heavyweight Championship one. Yeah, WCW would have been in amongst the NWO invasion at this point. Right, okay. This is probably when NWO was becoming stale, to be honest. Okay, like, I see, yeah. Uh, two called Scorpio. So it would have been Goldberg or Hulk Hogan or Kevin Nash. Who would have had that belt at that point? Yeah. Right, let's see. What's it got? No, he's... <laughs> he's... <laughs> he's never had it. <laughs> he's never had it. He is a notable... Oh, no, wait a minute. Oh, no, he hasn't, no. It's <laughs> a tag team championship. ECW World Tag Team Champion. ECW World Television Champion. Uh World Championship wrestling, he was a tag team champion there, so he's never ho- held big Goldie. He's never held the big fucking Goldie, but yeah, he came down to the ring with it. I mean, I don't blame him, to be honest. <laughs> I would, I would, if, I, you got, you, if, you, if you're coming out of a show like that, you got to be like, do you know what? I'm going to be the champ today. I'm exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine the conversation backstage? It's like, oh, Scorpio, that's that's a good replica you have. He's like, it's not a replica, brother. <laughs> it's, it's mine. <laughs> I'm the champ. No. Scorpio, we can we can get in trouble. No, I'm the champ. <laughs> the, the another thing I picked up on is they both came out to the same entrance song. That weird disco music. <laughs> like So with this Julio came out and then the music stopped and then the exact same song came on and Too Cold came out and I was just like, What the fuck is with, with this big nice replica, big gold It was just it, it was it was hard to understand what the hell was going on. Like it made it seem like they were a tag team and they were walking horns uh-huh. for the first time. Like, it felt like the whole night as well, they only had like four or five songs to choose from and you just you kept getting that for each wrestler that was coming out. It was one of these five mm-hmm. songs that they had that they were allowed to use. And it's funny, like all the songs, they were so generic that they sounded like a rip-off of a popular song. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what was going on, but production was an absolute nightmare this entire show. Um, yeah. More, but see, to be honest, see, apart from like uh, Julio's performance and the spots that we've talked about, the only other thing that really stood out to me was the finish. What happened there? I can't remember. Uh, Two called Scorpio. He's got uh, Julio down in the center of the mats. Scorpio, he goes up to the top rope. He hits a flipping senton onto Julio. Now, seeing my mind, that's it. The match is over. Like, you've nearly decapitated the guy yeah. with this move. And so, Tuchel's Scorpio, he goes back up to the top rope. This time with his back facing Julio. So, at first, you're thinking, right, he's going to hit, like, a moonsault or something. He ends up performing Jeff Hardy's Whisper in the Wind move and misses <laughs> Julio. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, the I And it's just... I don't know, like, I feel like if you've already hit one dive, the match is over already, and mm-hmm. to make it even worse, he's missed the second one, so the finishes fell flat. Um, I don't know, I think I think there was an idea of a good match underneath the mess that happened. Yep. I think it had to do with nerves of this uh, rookie and uh, legend who is trying to wrangle him in. 
the worst part was as well they then went on to show us replays of the last two moves with the worst camera angles yep and it was like the 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 one they showed for the for the second move so he done this was the inverted flip into kind of like a leg drop Mm -hmm. they showed that slow motion from a horrible angle when you could just see that he completely missed him and then julio went on to sell the sell the face as if he'd been hit by the leg and it just it was it was a hard watch man they weren't even like usually when you see it in wwe you see where they do slow motion and right up to the point of contact and then they speed it up and then it's all done and that's yeah. it and smoking <laughs> mirrors and you're like oh my god he got hit. and he, even if he didn't get hit you you it could fool you like yeah. it's good it's good camera trickery but this was just slow-mo all the way you had you could see it clearly and it, yeah it, it just kind of it just kind of kind of ruined that little ending spot you want to know what would have fixed it? More camera f- camera flashes. Yeah, more like more like if they had more angles to go between, and they could have like kept um, jumping between them. Do you mean? Yeah, definitely. Like, cause see at first, see the first camera angle it didn't make it look like he landed on his face, but then the second camera angle it just gives it away, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's not. It, it, I guess being nineteen ninety nine, obviously. They'd, they'd have been more limited with stuff like that with the cost of camera equipment and being such a small kind of promotion they, it would have it would have set them back a bit to have a proper proper promotion there and i think even wwe and wcw were in the infancy there with just the true trickery they could use with their cameras they were still pretty old school when it came to how they were shooting things back then mm-hmm. but yeah i know what you mean and i think now we're too used to there being about 30 different camera angles with every show we watch and it constantly changing and chopping yeah definitely uh but my main highlights of this match yep we had a guest commentator <laughs> i was just gonna get to him as well <laughs> <laughs> mr lou albano captain lou albano captain lou albano sorry <laughs> I mean, there was a lot to take in this event, man. Like, it felt like a fever dream. <laughs> yeah, and he was just... He was I, in his own wee world. I don't even know why he came out. I don't know why he was there. <laughs> well, was he not there to, like, represent Julio in his debut match kind of thing? Was he? All right, okay. I think that was the idea. So, right. this young whippersnapper, he's going to become a legend. But, oh, being Lou, he just went off into, like, another galaxy. Totally. I've got one of my notes here, actually. <laughs> This was during one of his rants. I wrote, I don't know what Obama is saying, but I know I felt it. Like, <laughs> that's a good one. There was like, there was a lot of passion. Yeah, there definitely was no ends of that. You, there was a lot of passion, energy. He obviously loves the business. I just don't know what he was trying to say about the business. Yeah. But they then announced that he will be the commissioner of Heroes of Wrestling for future events. Uh, spoilers to anyone who doesn't know this at all. There was no <laughs> other events after this. Sorry for ruining it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but uh, Will Albano is really... He got really emotional about that, to be honest. Like, oh, I mean, uh, yeah, he was a good... He put on a good fake cry towards the end. <laughs> One of my, my favourite quote of this whole wee segment of, of when he was commentating... Sorry, I've totally deviated from what you're saying here. No, go, my go, my, go. my favourite quote was he, was, he was just screaming random shit, and one guy goes, "This is the greatest production ever!" <laughs> and you're, just, and I was just, lo- I was looking at the, I was just looking at it, going, "Is it? <laughs> really? Is this the greatest? Pro- is this? A- I'm trying to put myself in 1999. I mean, I was only a young boy in 1999, and I was mm-hmm. definitely not watching this. But no. 
I'm trying to put myself in that position and trying to kid on. It's 1999, and I'm like, is this the greatest production ever? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 we can assure you it wasn't. But he was he was a bundle of energy. Oh, definitely. And that shot, by the way, like that looks like one of the shots I would wear. On oh holiday, yeah, to be honest. Like. <laughs> yeah, he's like blue, a blue flowery shirt thing. Aye, uh, pure tropical as hell. Trying it to pretend it was to be cool. It was, it was cool. It was cool. So uh, on, on to the next match, I guess. Or match number four. Shiki baby. Yep, Shiki baby, Volkov, and the wrestlers formerly known as the Bushwhackers. Now, Shiki baby was looking fucking old and shaky <laughs> as fuck, man. I don't know if you've seen that, but even just from the minute you could see him on the top of the ramp, I was like, fuck. He, he looks, should not. He should not be here. Yeah, he looked stiff. He, was, <laughs> he got in the ring and I looked at his leg, and his legs were kind of. Have you ever seen the the, the, the kid condition called rickets? No, no what's that? Like, if you Google it, you'll see it. But it's like when it's like when someone's legs kind of deform, and it's yeah, it's like they kind of go out. They Wait, really? Go, they go outwards and come in. Yeah. So type in rickets. Yeah, you see it. Like scroll down, see. So oh my god! Shiki baby's Shiki baby's legs were were were, were kind of like that, in my opinion. Like they were starting to kind of go outwards. Yeah, it, it looked like it was in pain. It kind of looks like a frog. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't know. It was just that was a weird pre. It was weird because like it starts off as like your typical like USA versus the like, evil. Yeah, your typical kind of eighties like. But then it. Kind of becomes like a variety show during this moment. Mm-hmm. Volkov decides to like sing the Russian anthem. Yep. And then Shiki Baby starts like swinging these mounts about for some <laughs> reason. Like, pure show of strength. Uh, there was like, there was no rhyme or reason to it. He just, I don't know, like, I think I'm hallucinating this, but I think they just appeared out of nowhere. I don't remember him bringing them to the ring. I think Volkov was carrying them. I remember seeing Volkov put something down and I was like, what's this? I thought he was going to do a handstand on them. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is he going to do a fucking handstand on this? I could not see him doing this. Is uh, what he's going to do? I thought it was going to be a game of limbo, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> Maybe Shiki's rickets would have helped with that. <laughs> Maybe he just walked right under. So, uh, after the variety show goes wrong, the crowd are chanting USA. Luke and Butch come out and they're doing the Bushwhackers stick, shtick. They are the Bushwhackers in everything but name. <laughs> Looking Butch. Yeah. You know, I think they, have they always had weird haircuts like that? Or was that so? Is that like, you notice this? Like, it kind of, where their sideburns are, it's just completely shaved up the way. And then they've got this, like, it's the weirdest. I don't know if, it, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're cutting their hair like that, but I, I think it just looks really strange. I'm going to be honest. Every time. A Bushwhackers match has showed up when I'm watching the network or something. I skip. Yeah, I have never. I can't say I've ever watched. There's just too some, much of old older stuff. Like I get the, I get that um, wrestling. Like there's going to be hokey moments in it sometimes. Maybe something that's more comedic or something. I don't get the swinging of the arms and the tongue hanging out. Like <laughs> I don't get it at all. They just, yeah. I don't know, it just puts me off. I'm just kind of like thinking to myself, what am I watching when I see that? Yeah, it's just, it's all very animated. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, like it, it probably did work in the 80s and it was probably good. And if you're a kid and you see all that, it's, it's quite attractive. You're like, oh, yes, look at this guy. Yeah, oh, some, yeah definitely. It's something you can emulate and copy. But like, again, yeah, 
pulling it into 1999 and try to pull it off then when everything's grown and surpassed mm-hmm. that 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 era it, 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 it i mean god the crowd must have been struggling well, I mean, to get into it unless you're like super fans of course I mean, some of the crowd were into it as well, so yeah, that's true, maybe I'm the wrong one here, and I most probably am, because Bushwhackers are in the Hall of Fame, so yep. uh, score one to Bushwhackers, zero <laughs> to Jamie. <laughs> so, where did we go from here? Let me see, what have I got? Um, <laughs> yeah, I said, these are some... Yeah, I wrote, hilarious old man bumps going on, these guys shouldn't be in the ring. And that was happening. There was a few fucking just, just drops out of nowhere, just getting like punched and then doing a mad side bump after yes. trailing back a few times, which was bad to watch. But honestly, I thought it was funny. I thought it was, I thought it was hilarious. I think what's made it funny as well was not just the bumps, but the strikes. Yeah, it was like you no know, having it in a dream, and you decide to punch. Oh yeah, and, and you, it's can't, like get, you as can't get your strength. You're like fucking. Oh, can you yeah, exactly. Um, it looks like that, like you're punching underwater or something. Ah, and everything was like slow motion, and then the Sp- punch, would, the punch would connect, and then it was like fucking poof. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was just kind of funny. Um, Sheik threatened to leave the match if the crowds kept chanting USA. So obviously the crowds kept chanting USA, and him and Volkov they jump out the ring. They are about to walk up the ramp, but then they stop. And then they just decide to go back in. Oh yeah, I that was like, weird. I I feel like that would have been a good opportunity for see the bushwhackers, like she and Volkov. They're walking up the ramp. They're going no, no to hell with us. We're not doing this anymore. And then the bushwhackers chase them up the ramp, catch them, and drag and them, throw back, them to the back in. Yeah, that that would definitely have made more sense. Yeah, uh, more soft strikes were happening. This is when the match kind of broke me, like because it was just kind of more, like waddling about yep. falling everywhere <laughs> Sheik was spitting on fans at the right side yeah <laughs> <laughs> just yeah uh, going hell for leather on people yeah oh yeah that was another one uh, Volkov puts one of the bushwhackers up for a slam commentary calls it a bear hug <laughs> uh, Volkov slams the bushwhacker and the commentary calls it a soft slam a soft slam <laughs> He was trying to do like a backbreaker. I want you could see what he was trying to do. He was trying to do a backbreaker and then drop him on his back, but he ended up doing this wee soft backbreaker, soft slam. But the commentary going, the soft slam, as if like the most devastating move <laughs> in professional wrestling. Oh my god, he just gave him a soft slam. Oh my god, he's got a family. God damn it, the horror. <laughs> Somebody stop the bear man. Which was I. That was just to me. For me, that was enough. I mean, I'd already stopped kind of really paying attention, but I was just like, God. I, I just wanted these guys to get out of the ring and go home. It was good they're getting a payday, but at the same time, just guys. I, I tried to keep paying attention, and I kind of tapped out soon afterwards. Yeah. There was a real mo- weird moments where all four men, they're all in the ring. Bushwhacker one's fighting Sheik. Bushwhacker two fighting Volkov. Volkov grabs Bushwhacker two. Sheik... No, Bushwhacker 1 grabs Sheik and both of them throw their partners into each other. And I think I remember falls. this. Like, they both kind of, like, whipped each other into the partner or something. Like, 
I don't even know how to explain it, to be honest. Like, <laughs> like this is what broke me. Like, you <laughs> seen me. Like, I broke down into, like, a fit of giggles over this. I was just like, what is going on? What is happening? Like, There's lack of um, communication. Chris, we need to get the video fucking podcast up soon. I think we need to, like... My words aren't painting the perfect picture. Oh, I know. It would it, it, be so hard to to explain it without showing you but yeah we could we'll find it we'll find a way to show people this yeah pin- so do you have anything else written about this match yep pin out of nowhere awful just awful <laughs> <laughs> she can volkov arguing ring manager makes them forgive each other and cuddle each other they raise their hands as if they're the baby faces and the crowds booze <laughs> I think that kind of sums it up, to be honest. <laughs> Fantastic, absolutely amazing stuff. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. So next up, we had what? Sweet Stan Lee? Yep, Sweet Tully. Stan Lane and Tully Blanchard. Stan Lee? I said, I said Stan Lee is Stan Lane, isn't it? <laughs> Stan Lee, the comic book trailer? Sweet Stan, <laughs> Sweet Stan Lee. Stan Lee's coming out. <laughs> um, right, so Stan Lane, who, fuck, I've never fucking heard of this guy, have you? No. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of Tully. Tully Blanchard for a horseman, yep. Tully Blanchard, respectable, a great athlete. Tully Blanchard actually, in his pre-match promo, well, no, wait, first we've seen Sweet Stan Lane trying to bundle Tully into the back of a limousine or something in a boot. Yeah, so backstage, a limousine appears. One of the ring announcers, a, a backstage interviewer who's there to interview Tully Blanchard. To Whose races. name was Michael St. John, by the way. Michael St. John? Michael St. John was that interviewer guy's name, which is... Is a, a meaning behind this name? Or no like, idea. Just no. Just a mad fucking name, isn't it? It's a cool fucking name. Michael St. John. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a fucking movie, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a Michael St. John down here right now. Michael St. John. He's about to interview Tully Blanchard, who has exited the limousine. And then Stan Lane appears out of nowhere and, as you said, he attacks Tully yep. Blanchard and tries to stuff him into the boots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which was weird. The the guy who's supposed to be interviewing does his job. He doesn't really try to stop the assault happening in front of him. He yep. decides to commentate the assault. <laughs> and then... For some reason, instead of cutting to the match, we think, okay, like we get the reason why they hate each other. It cuts to Tully Blanchard. He's doing a promo outside afterwards. He's bleeding, apparently, from the attack. And yeah. he talks about how he's bringing his hatred for Dusty back when he was in the Four Horsemen out. And that hatred is gonna is what's going to get him to beat Stan Lane. It was a weird... It was a good promo towards the end. It seemed like he was trying to find his words at first, but you kind of get the gist of it by yep. the time he ended it. And so we go on to the match. <laughs> so, oh yeah, I've, I have... Um, I have written... <laughs> Stan Lane just announced himself in the ring. Awful. I love that, to be honest. He, he, he came out. He, he came out. He came down the ring. He was wearing his wee Rick fucking flare jacket. Yeah, he was loving himself. He got in the ring and he started going on about how he's been presenting on ESPN and he's been presenting for the WWF. I, I'd never seen him in WWF, so I don't know if he had. Yeah, but then he proclaimed that he's going to announce himself in the ring and he he done his whole announcing shtick and it was it was in my opinion just fucking shit he was just like trying to <laughs> he was just trying to like rip off like Michael Buffer from the boxing and trying to do it like that and it was. If he was kidding on, it would 
it would look good, which it probably was. It probably was all part of his character, but just for me, mm-hmm. it just that was just like that. <laughs> but it made me hate him. So yeah. it maybe he, he, he done a good job. Like I do enjoy the idea of a delusional heel who thinks they're cool, but they're just lame. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's great because even if you are, even if him in his head is loving himself and thinking I'm such a good heel right now, when people think he isn't, it still works. Yeah, you, exactly. You can't, you, do you know what I mean? Like even when you think you're doing well, it still works if you're if you're being hated, and it just it's to go. It's the beauty to use a modern day example. Bailey, when she first turned heel, okay, she was still remember when she first started. She was a nice girl hugging everyone. Yeah, like kind of Mickey James style. Yeah, she was still kind of playing that character, but she was kind of healing it up a bit. Where the crowd were booing her, and she was going, "No, why are you guys booing me?" I'm just trying to show your kids what a real role model looks like. (laughs) 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 It reminded me of that kind of thing. Yep. uh, Tully Blanchard gets his entrance pretty decent. He gets fireworks because four horsemen. Yep. They deserve it. As he's going down to the ring, Stan Lane, still holding microphone, announces he is going to ride Tully Blanchard like Seabiscuit. <laughs> I've totally which, missed this, did he? <laughs> yeah, which oh my produced God. many horrible thoughts in my mind. Yep. <laughs> and by this point, you could see the crowd were just over this. Like, Yeah, no one was interested. They then proceeded to keep showing females in the audience because obviously they were trying to paint sweet stan lane as a kind of ladies man a kind of val venus type so they kept showing these females in the audience who just could not look more disinterested than what they had been dragged to see yeah <laughs> they all looked so bored and then the, the commentators were like oh my god look she's got stan lane on her mind she, <laughs> she's thinking about stan lane and you're just like no nah, man they're not they, they, they look so fucking bored uh, and they're just looking Gazing into space. They're thinking about when is this fucking event going to end. I can't believe I fucking came to this, man. Why have I came to this? Can I get my money back? (laughs) It's exactly how we were feeling. If you'd have put the camera on us at that point, we would have looked similar to how them poor women were feeling. Oh, definitely. And see, to be honest, like, that's the worst reaction you can ever get as a wrestler. People say John Cena was a bad baby face because people booed him. No, like, he still got a reaction. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. It doesn't matter if the audience loves you or hates you. What you need to do is make it work. And to see us yeah. credit, he made it work for a really, really long time. Yeah, you need to get something going when you're in there. If you're working, whether you turn, whether you're supposed to be a babyface, but you're getting heel treatment, you've got to yeah get some sort of action. Get the place, get the electricity going. Exactly. The faces that they showed is our wrestler's <laughs> worst nightmare. <laughs> and they kept showing them as well. There was like two or three in, and such ones. They right. Surely they'll stop now, and then they just kept like pushing it on you, and it was just like, "Don't do this! You're killing, yeah, you're, ki- you're killing the show even more." Uh, the match psychology was all over the place as well. Tully yeah. Blanchard, the supposed face of the match, is raking <laughs> Stan Lane in the eye. Mm-hmm. He'll move. At one point, they are brawling outside. Now you're thinking that uh, Tully is going to like try to get Stan Lane back in the ring so he can beat him clean. And he apa- applies a figure four of leg lock on the outside. <laughs> the ref is counting to ten. This is a normal singles match. Mm-hmm. Pin in the ring, submission in the ring, or you get counted out. Or DQ, like the normal rules. Yeah. Why is Tully Blanchard, the veteran <laughs> in this match, applying the figure four of leg lock on the outside? Like, I'm sure there's been many people who have done much worse to him. Yeah. 
I guess this kind of goes back to the hatred of my hatred for Dusty is coming for you, Stan Wayne kind of thing. But I don't know. There was just not much heat in the match. No. And I, there wasn't much heat in any of the matches, really, was there? I think the only one would have been what I think we considered the best match of the night, which wasn't really by a large part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just weird. And then. Let's see, what, have I, what else have I got? Um, I, I put it, the, it was the most awkward, strange ending ever. Oh my god, yeah. Which it was. Uh, Stan Lane, he he performs a back suplex onto Tully Blanchard. The, now, from our angle in the camera, we see Tully Blanchard's shoulders on the mat. Yeah. The ref counts to three. Uh, Stan Wayne, he's celebrating, but then the ref goes, no, 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 no. He raises Tully Blanchard's hand up as if he's one. Yeah, that, I just couldn't understand that. And then Dutch Mantel went on to explain what had happened, and I was like, when Dutch Mantel went on to explain what happened, I thought, wow, good save by Dutch. They've absolutely fucked up this end, and, and he's just come up with this mad lie in order to save face. But then they showed the footage, and yeah. it was actually what happened. So both men's shoulders were down. Tully Blanchard kicked out and Stan Wayne pinned himself. <laughs> just fucking weird. Like I, I just can't th- I can't ever imagine why you would want to end a match like that. It just wasn't like exciting. That the whole place was flat already. Did they think that that was going to fucking pep things up? Like, like the thing is, like, see when you're wrestling a match, you should always have like an ending, a way out point. Mm-hmm. These are two legends that have been in this business for god knows how long at this point this is the ending they thought was good just piss poor in it really i guess they're trying to go for a controversial kind of thing like it's i don't know if this was maybe really like a, yeah i don't know if this is like a controversy to set up match number two at the supposed future <laughs> heroes of wrestling pay-per-view which yeah. never happened uh but i don't know like it just it didn't work at all. This match fell flat. The crowd were dead. There was not really any psychology to the match at all, to be yeah. honest. It was just poor, especially considering who was in the ring as well. Do you have any more about that match you want to talk about? No. After this match was another state of confusion that we entered. <laughs> so we were introduced to next up, it was going to be the one-man gang versus Abdullah the Butcher. Well, before that, there was a backstage promo. Oh, okay. It was, hold on. You got me covered here. (laughs) The, yeah, so I believe, who was Jake the Snake supposed to fight at the start of the night? Was it just Jim Nightart? I believe it was, yeah, I believe at the the start, I remember it being advertised as Jake the Snake versus Jim the Anvil. So the idea was, and I'm sure this was presented at the start when they showed the match cards. Jake the Snake was scheduled to fight Jim Neidart in a one-on-one singles match. Yeah. Yokozuna was supposed to fight King Kong Bundy in a singles match as well. As the main event. We cut to a backstage promo of Jim Neidart and... Uh, Hold on. King Kong Bundy mm-hmm. cutting a promo on Jake the Snake and Yokozuna. And that was kind of like... Are they? Is this a tag team or what's going on? What's happening here? Yeah, Nightheart cuts a promo about 
how Drake better not bring Damien down to the ring. <laughs> he doesn't want to see any zoo animals, and that includes giraffes. As if you know a giraffe's just going to be cutting about backstage at the Casino Magic. The Casino Magic. <laughs> what a fucking name. <laughs> but um, apart from that, it was just kind of, we moved on to the No Holds Barred match between One Man Gang and Abdul, Abdul the Butcher. And the one man gang was really not looking good. He was looking fucking haggard. He looks, Abdullah, like, a big, he looks like a big bag of milk. He did look like a big <laughs> bag of milk. Abdullah looked very much the same. And it just was not, oh God, it was just, I like, I think we knew what was going to happen with this. We knew it was going to be bloody. We knew they were just going to fucking do all the usual spots. But it just, to me, all I really remember is one man gang wrapping a chain around Abdullah's face. Abdullah bleeding with, within at least one minute into the match. It was already bleeding. Yeah. They then had to done the fork spots. They got the fork out and started doing the hitting each other with the fork. And it was just kind of back and forth like that. There was no real wrestling going on. Mm-hmm. For what it was, I mean, yeah, if, you, if you're there to see that sort of thing, it's good. But, I mean, you expect that from an Abdullah the Butcher match. You expected it to just kind of go like that, just to be the blood, the shock factor. And yeah. Apart from that, there wasn't really anything strung together to make it any more interesting. Abdullah the butcher used to scare me. Did he? See the marks on his forehead, like it just made me think that like Freddy Krueger like patted him on the uh, head or something. Yeah, like, I remember. I remember being younger and kind of seeing Abdullah and being like, oh, "What the fuck's up with his head?" Aye, the pure indents. Aye, he it was like always a pure creature of his Star Trek. Yeah, it was always pretty scary seeing his seeing his face. But that's don't blade kids. Don't don't <laughs> don't Spe- blade yourself. Special around Abdullah the butcher, fuck's sake. <laughs> Speaking of which, one Rocky fan got his fork <laughs> during oh the God, match. Oh, God, Jesus. That fan soon had hepatitis afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any more ad to add about this? I honestly, I, I literally... This match was a nothing bugger. Oh, wait. Abdullah came out to no music, which was weird. That happened a lot of times. Production yep. was an absolute nightmare, this whole event. Microphones were getting cut out and all sorts. Like, yeah. And as we mentioned before, the camera angles were shown blatant botches yep. at the end of the day the worst the worst part for me about this match was that they basically started fighting outside of the ring and then from outside of the ring they ended up moving kind of backstage and then that was just kind of it was well, it was the match done was it over oh it was a no contest yeah it was the, just so weird it was i couldn't understand why they've just like the, the no disqualification blood brawl was deemed a no contest because they started brawling next to the announce table yeah, oh yeah, the, the so commentary. Abdullah's head gets slammed at the announce table, so there was blood there. They're like, get them out of the way, get them out of here. Yeah. And then they end up fighting backstage. The cameras don't follow them, and it's just deemed like an old co- Like, Yeah. The sense, I, I don't know where the sense is. It seemed like they were trying to do the whole Godzilla versus King Kong two monsters on a rampage <laughs> kind of thing. But oh! Was, yeah. <laughs> Ring crew were sacrificed on the altar of these origins as well. <laughs> I'll say ring crew is a tough job. <laughs> You've done that before, yeah? Yeah, and I've been dealt the same fate. <laughs> <laughs> Taking some bumps. Yeah, they say we're there to keep the audience safe or not. We're there to tire the wrestlers out so the other wrestlers can stop them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, so from there... I didn't have anything else about that match. I moved on to the next backstage segment, did you? Yeah. Okay, from there we went on to Snooker <laughs> and Albano in a backstage segment. Now again, Snooker is standing there very much like Janetti. 
looking like a guy that has committed murder at some point in his life. When did he commit murder again? Uh, it was in his Dark Side of the Ring episode. There was a, there's an episode about Snooker, and apparently he does. <laughs> what? He's I'm, killed his missus. Apparently he killed someone. Yeah, I don't know if it was his wife. I can't I can't remember fully. We'll, we'll probably do an episode on this at one point. But yeah, definitely. I believe that there was a claim out there that he'd murdered someone at one point. I because I remember Vince bailed him out or something. Anyway, like we're getting just terrifying. Fuck Jimmy <laughs> Snooker, he's a murderer. Rest in piss. <laughs> The uh, I, well, we go into the backstory behind this match. Jimmy Snooker and Bob Orton were involved in a card game earlier. Oh yeah. Bob Orton, uh, claims that Jimmy Snooker was cheating, and so they start to fight, and the match is set up. Lou is back <laughs> with Snooker once again. Lou, full of passion and energy. Just absolutely crazy man. Don't know what the fuck he's talking about. He claims that Snooker can suplex ball bottom with his knees. Yeah, that's like <laughs> That's a mad fucking statement. Listen, it's always world we're just loving him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also get another promo from Bob Orton who says, You're calling me a cheater, but I'm gonna beat you up, blah blah blah. We go on to the match. Orton's music comes out. I just realised, like, that's Randy Orton's dad. When yeah. I said that <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bob Orton's music plays, and it sounds like. Have you ever heard that Iggy Pop song, Nightclubbing? Yes. Yep. It sounded exactly like that. Maybe it's just. To be honest, I'm deaf in one year, so maybe I'm hallucinating this or something. <laughs> but that's what it reminded me of. Uh, nothing really happened with his entrance. Jimmy Snooker's music plays and we see shadows and amongst the smoke coming out and there's one that's like waddling out and I'm like, fuck, Jimmy Snooker's in poor shape. Yeah. Out of the mist appears Albano. <laughs> You're like, Jesus. <laughs> I'm back again, Lou. You're back again. You're back for more. He's a commissioner. What can you expect? He's the main man around these parts. He needs to make sure this, <laughs> this event goes off without a hitch. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure everything's running smoothly. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Snooker walking behind him. He's not really doing anything. No. He just... I think he's just wrestling with his guilty conscience at this point, to yes. be honest. Yes. Um, let's see. Jimmy... St- this is how I know Jimmy Snooker's the one that cheated in the card game, okay? Now, the way this whole match played out, Bob Orton was the heel. Mm-hmm. If I'm to guess correctly. Jimmy Snooker had his back turned to Bob Orton for a good minute to take his ring, his entrance gear off and take it to the outside. Bob Orton had a very long opportunity to hit him from behind and he yeah. never, you want to know why? Because Bob Orton never cheated. He's a man of honour and he's not a murderer. <laughs> Justice for Bob. I cracked the case, folks. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to this one part of our We Play Detective. <laughs> so, I've, this this match got underway and I honestly thought that Snooker and Orton had good pacing about it. They didn't rush things. They were going slow. Orton was working the arm for a good bit despite Snooker being close to the ropes. But, I mean, in terms of how they paced the match, it was good I don't remember a match that anybody was into, but 
it had a good quality about it. They weren't both so past it. They could still kind of work. Yeah. It was still kind of believable to a degree. Mm-hmm. They weren't rushing through things. They weren't just doing spots. It was kind of like nice and slow and a kind of build up to it. This was, without a shadow of a doubt, the match of the night. Yeah. Uh, there it was, was still shite, but I mean, it was match of the night. Yeah, there was a bit near the start of the match where Snooker tries to do a crossbody onto Bob Orton. Mm-hmm. He overshoots it, and so there was like an awkward pin attempt. Yeah. Uh, another botch. Uh, Bob tried to clothesline Snooker over the top rope. Snooker kind of stretched <laughs> over it and just like fell forward and rolled out the ring. That was that was hard. That was a hard one. Yeah, that sucks when that happens. By the way, like fucking hell. Have you been involved in an altercation like that? Yes. <laughs> um, the guy didn't hit me hard enough, so I've ended up like snooker, and it honestly feels a bit like a yoga session. <laughs> <laughs> Just a back stretch. I literally had to. Well, see, to be honest, when you're performing this, you're supposed to take off as well mm-hmm. when the person. Would like throw yourself. Yeah, exactly. You're jumping back. It's almost like a backflip. Okay. But this was my first time doing it, and me and gravity don't agree. <laughs> so I was just kind of like, you just need to fucking let me. Yeah, you need to get <laughs> And eventually hit. it happened, but I feel Snooker's pain during that uh, botch there. Um, let's see. There wasn't really much else that was wrong with this. The only thing that I really had an issue was, like you said, Orton working the arm really well, getting heat going, getting the people behind Snooker. He's applying different holds. Is that the metronome? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that came on. Just like the metronome that was playing, there was a pace going on to the match. Bob Barton, he's building the heat, he's reapplying different holds to the same arm, wearing yep. it down. And Snooker breaks out, he does the baby face, like, comeback. Yep. And I believe what happened at the end again? The end of the match? Yeah. Oh, yeah, so... <laughs> the... There was something weird happened for Jimmy Snooker. Yes, Big Lou <laughs> makes his presence known once again. Little Bano got back involved. Yeah. Well, see, to be honest, he was involved in other cases during this match, like... Mm-hmm. While the action was going on in the ring, it was cutting to Albano <laughs> shouting to people in the yeah. crowd. Once again, don't know what he's saying. It's just, just going all, cra- all sorts just of crazy. Pure energy. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> full, full of beans at all hours. I aspire to be like oh, Albano. Like, I just say whatever the fuck I want and people just listen. <laughs> like, that's the way it should be. But then it gets to the end of the match. Jimmy Snooker climbs the top rope for the signature splash. Bob Barton attacks. Now, Bob Barton, he goes up to the top rope. He's about to superplex Jimmy Snooker off the top rope. Yep. Lou Albano grabs Jimmy Snooker by the foot. Yep. Bob Barton falls off by himself, takes a bump. Snooker's recovering on the top rope. Bob Barton realises Lou has done him dirty. He goes to attack Lou Albano and he hits his arm off the rope. He misses Lou Albano. Yep. Hits his arm off the rope and he sells it. Rope, like the ropes hurt, but they don't hurt that much. Yeah. Uh, this gives him, this gives Snooker the opportunity to hit the signature splash. One, two, three matches over. All done. Then it leads us to my favourite point of this match. <laughs> the chance. Yes. We then were treated to the crowd 
chanting Bob is a faggot. Yeah. <laughs> over and over and over again, which was... <laughs> we, we, I, I didn't know what they were saying at first, but then it started to become clear. I was like, oh my God, this shit, Bob is a faggot. I remember we kind of looked at each other like that shocked, <laughs> like the doll face kind of looked. Well, we're both like... <gasps> I mean, it was the 90s. Different terror, like... Yep, it was, a, it was another world... Probably wouldn't happen you, now, that chant in today's... <laughs> are you sure you want to, like, say this on our first podcast that once? Like, even <laughs> if you were quoting people? No, no, we can say it, we can say it. We're just quoting someone. Yeah, you're in the presence of a bye, anyway, so... <laughs> Plus, we don't even know if this is going to be our first one. We could probably have exactly. another before it's this. It's okay, I'll give you the effort pass. <laughs> <laughs> we can say whatever we want in this. Uh, it's, it's, it's our show. It's okay, if, folks, he's got a gay friend here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, backstage or okay so Jake is with Michael St John the promo the classic this is the one this is how this is how you sold watching this event to me you told me (laughs) oh it's Jake the Snake and it's the promo that Jake the Snake does and it's like fucking hilarious he's talking about playing blackjack and stuff like that and I'd never (laughs) seen it and I I didn't I didn't look it up before watching this because I thought I just want to be surprised and just and just see it for the first time like with you (laughs) and what were your thoughts fucking just mad it was just hard <laughs> <laughs> so to set the scene jake kind of comes on and he's looking he's looking pretty drunk like that's not let's not be about the bush he's looking like he's had a few drinks rather disheveled yeah he's, he's kind of he's looking a bit fucking like he's like oh like hands on his head and, uh, yeah yeah i can't remember what he actually says do you remember the the, the quote of the of the promo he says if you want to gamble you have to accept that there's a chance that you're going to lose. Yeah. And I don't like losing. So why are you at the casino place? <laughs> he then goes on to say that he's a cheater. He'll mm-hmm. do anything to win. And to give an example, if you want a game of 21, he's got two more of those. No, he said, he said you want a game of blackjack? You, or you, or if you got 21, I got 22. That's it, yeah. <laughs> You got, <laughs> I can't even fucking remember. It doesn't even make sense. You want to gamble? Like, I got two of those two. And you're just like, what the fuck is this guy even talking about? But 22, like, if you get 22, you lose. You're bust. Yeah, so the cheating doesn't work then. Like, but by this point, this guy was 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 pretty bust, man. He was pretty. Yeah, that was. Yeah, he, he, seemed, he seemed at the end of his road. He, he was way past the end of his road, but he did. He looked pretty leery. He looked fucked up. He didn't He didn't look sober. I can. I can <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a shame. It's sad to, to talk about the guy like this because, but at least we know now he's made a full recovery. He's not as in a bad place, which is which is good. Yeah. It's he, a feel good story at the end where yeah. I think it's a good example for people that obviously Jake the Snake, he's had his demons over the years, especially yeah. if Heavy was brought up. I think it is a good lesson for people who are in a similar position that if you are going through anything tough, whether it's substance abuse, um, emotional abuse from family, friends, yeah. or anything at all, like there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be a difficult journey for you, but with the right help and the right motivation behind it all, you can like see it through. Yeah, and, and props to Jake. Like, yeah, Jake's a, a shining example of that. But when you go back and you watch old stuff featuring him, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. It is very rough. He's he's in a bad bad place. There's also the I did kind of laugh at how he introduced Damien. 
How did he do that? He presents his hand to the floor and he goes, here's Damien, and it's just a bag. <laughs> it's just a bag, a big rumpled up bag, a snake. I'm just picturing, like, what would happen if someone accidentally stood on that? <laughs> <laughs> just pure chaos. So let's move on to the match then. So my first thing that I noticed was Jake came down to the ring. Well, Jim, Jim came out first, yeah? Yes. Jim came out first. Jake came down to the ring, done a lap, got in the ring, put Damien down. In a very rough manner. In a very that's... rough way, yeah. yeah. Tied the bag. And then he just walked back up the ramp as if he was going to go. I was like, what the fuck's going on? I wonder if... I don't know his inner workings behind that match. Like, um, I don't know what happens backstage during the event. If I was to guess, it might have been panic or something. Or, I don't know, something made him want to get back there. This wasn't a case of this is part of the show kind of thing. Yeah. Or maybe it was. Who knows? It was just weird. The commentary said it was psychological warfare, but yeah. he's just left a bag in the ring and he's just walked back up. Like, he's not really done anything. But anyway, he came back out, he had his top off. In a very brighter mood. Yeah. <laughs> he went backstage for, for some fucking, for a wee pick-me-up. Aye, uh, exactly. That's maybe what happened. Hair of the dog. <laughs> he went back backstage for a wee something-something of anything. Yeah. And he came back out, top off, went round the ring, grabbed the grabbed the lady who was ringside, made her made her rub his nipples. Yep. He loved that. As you do. Yeah. At a wrestling event. Oh, of course. <laughs> and then he got back in the ring and he was for lack of a better term, good to go. Uh, somewhat if, good if to can, go. Yes, yeah, somewhat good if to go. Jake yeah. the Snake in that era is ever good to go, this is about as good good to, to go. go as he, he looked. <laughs> Good to go, considering the circumstances of his condition. Yep. <laughs> his inebriated state. Yep. It was... It wasn't a good match. It was... No. <sighs> the whole thing was just zapped of energy. I feel like the crowd was just defeated by this point as well. Like, yeah. Jim looked like good shape. Jim was still pretty buff. He, he, he could move. Like, he, yeah. he didn't look dishevelled. And, and you kind of... There's a part of you that feels kind of bad for him because he's then now robbed of... He looked so out of place compared yeah. to everyone else at this event. Like, everyone, whether it was by the way they looked or the way they moved, mm-hmm. you could tell this was past a sell-by date. Jim Neidhart looks like a proper athlete in amongst the, all of this. And it is a shame because I feel like he doesn't get the credit he deserves. So obviously, Bret Hart and Owen Hart. Yeah. The Hart family, like, incredible athletes throughout the whole lot of them still yep. hard as well and I don't know I think maybe we just need to give Jim a wee bit more appreciation especially for working shows like this give Jim honest. his flowers exactly yes <laughs> he remained professional like he could have just went fuck this I'm not doing this just walked out yeah he might he managed to keep it going yeah and then there was a there was another point where uh, Jake finally got the snake out and he was acting like the snake was his dick which was just fucking weird. That's when we started to see that, oh, Jake's really fucked up here. Like, uh, he's def- doing some shit that's just, like, there's kids in the audience and all that, and he's, he's parading with a snake about as if it's his dick. He's using it as, like, a phallic prop. A phallic <laughs> prop. <laughs> and then from there, he lay down with the snake, and he was licking it and all that, and that was just, like, I was like, right, okay, he is. Aye. Uh, he is where he is. You can understand why, then, that King Kong Bundy decides to come out. and. Yep. It was weird. I feel like there should have been like a more smoother way to transition it to a tag match because what happens is King Kong Bundy comes out, 
he's yelling at ringside to Jake. Uh, eventually, him and Jim Neidhart, they both double-team Jake in the corner. Yeah. Yokozuna comes out, and he just kind of stands there, watching him beat him down. And then he goes to the attack, and then that's when we hear the bell. The announcer goes, ladies and gentlemen, it's now a tag match. And it's like, What's okay, so this is kind of like spur of the moment. How do we, you know, put out this fire quickly? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was all just so weird, and you didn't really... You could tell that, obviously, behind the scenes, there was a lot of chat going on, because they must have seen what we've seen, and seen Jake's in a bad way. We need to figure out how we're going to save this. Oh, definitely. Um, Jake done a drunk Hulk Hogan impression. Did he? i never seen that. He was, like, putting his hand to his ear, and he was, oh, like, wow, stumbling yeah. about. <laughs> and then, I believe after this, some guy appears, bald head, white shirt. And like mini to, King Kong Bundy. Uh, and, well, to close in at first, commentary goes, who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they even know who he is. Who's this guy? <laughs> but then someone goes, oh, it's, he looks like King Kong Bundy. It must be a mini Kong. Because <laughs> that's how, you know, genetics and like your offspring work like see if they look exactly like you king kong bundy's king kong Bun- bundy's bald i can't speak now this <laughs> event has broke me king kong bundy is bald this random guy is bald he's yep. his son so see the next time i see someone with gray hair i'm just going to claim them as my own <laughs> in fact chris oh my god chris are they coming in tell you huh? My grey hair's coming in. You might be my love child. Kind <laughs> 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 uh, some shenanigans happen. The mat. See, to be honest, like, I gave up taking notes at this point. Like, this is when we both stopped taking notes. We were so tired at this point. We we decided that fuck. We've just wasted two hours and thirty minutes of our life. My highlight of the whole match was when the small baldy guy came out of the crowd started chanting Uncle Fester Oh my god yeah <laughs> Uncle Fester <laughs> That was great. That was a perfect way to end it. Enjoyed S- it sent me home happy. Did anything happen? Oh yeah they what was it? So the match ended, they were trying to get uh, Jake the Snake to give Uncle Fester a DDT and for some reason he didn't do it. I no. don't know why. <laughs> Anyway, Yokozuna throws him off the ropes, picks him up, does a Samoan drop, and that was their way of sending the crowd home happy from that. I think the crowd was sent home happy because they could go home. I I (laughs) definitely would just be happy to be leaving. That would be one of them events where I would just end up getting super drunk at, just because you'd want to just enjoy yourself as best as you could. I'd have to take it further. I'd have to take like DMT or something. <laughs> like, I'd have to ascend to another existence. Get, get on hardcore psychedelics just so you yeah. to, to make it some, some something pleasing for your eyes. I'd have to be on the same wavelength as Old Olu, to be honest. Like, <laughs> oh, Captain Zeno. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, everyone, this is one of our first podcasts. Um, we are obviously ironing out the, uh, the kinks of ourselves. Yep. Hopefully we've done a better job than Heroes of Wrestling. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean it's, this is a good thing. Is it? I mean, we get to watch these horrible events and kind of critique them and go through them, but I dare say down the path of doing this podcast, we're going to get to watch some really good events too and some, and some really enjoyable matches that is right up our street because that's what we do in our spare time anyway. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do believe that... See, the thing is, like, there might be someone out there who does enjoy this event. You don't have to take it to heart what other people think as well. Like, Yeah, these are just doing opinions. We are quite 
easy going when it comes to it and the main reason why we want to do episodes like this is just to discuss our own opinions i mean we talk about wrestling all the time all the like, time when yeah. we're together so we just thought this is the right place to to kind of put it across watch good ep- good episodes bad episodes and just maybe even keep up with some of the current stuff that's going on yeah definitely that would definitely be on our on our spectrum as well it's um no like wrestling is like it is an art form and see the thing is like you can't let one bad event like this to taint any of these guys uh legacy to be honest like, yeah these guys has a bad day of course and each each one of these guys will all have been involved in great stuff as well in the past yeah and it's we're not coming on here to just purely shit on them but like this whole event as a whole was pretty laughable and it entertained us for it being bad (laughs) i don't know i've I've just kind of find it sad that some of these guys like i'm just thinking like one of these guys had their last match at this event and i don't know like do do you remember the undertaker documentary when he said he wants to end his career on a high note yeah i feel like that's what every wrestler kind of wants and I don't know, like, in the end, I think it's a blessing to be on. Like, you can't just make an event happen out of thin air, like, yeah, it and takes... it just kind of shows how much is involved in creating a wrestling event. Being, being uh, a part of, like, staff at live shows, Yeah, the amount of work that goes on, not just from the wrestlers themselves, the referees, the ring crew, the merchandise, even, even, like, people working the lights, music, everything, yeah. it, what makes wrestling special is that there's so many people involved to create these yeah. memorable moments and at the end of the day heroes of wrestling might not be the best wrestling event of all time far from it but it will definitely go down in history as one of the most memorable that's for sure that's definite <laughs> well that's all for this week all right thank you very much folks and see you later take care bye bye <laughs>